the Bible Study Podcast, episode 455. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the Gospel of Matthew with chapter 24. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're looking at Matthew 24 today, and Matthew 24 is about end times. And for those of you who are newer to the Christian faith, just so you know, one of the things that confused people who were looking at Jesus, people like the Jewish leaders that we've been talking about, is that when they looked at Messiah, when they looked in the Old Testament at Messiah, there were two different images of Messiah. There were the images of Messiah, for instance, the one that God will send, the anointed one of God is what Messiah means, that will come and will be the conquering king and will basically kick out our enemies and will rule. And then there was also an image in chapters like late in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, which talks about the suffering servant we'll be talking more about in two chapters, basically, by his stripes we are healed. And this person who would come and atone for, that would come and die in our place, basically, which is the Christ that we know. But what they didn't realize is this weren't two different people, and they weren't just one or the other, but both. And our understanding is that Christ will fulfill both, but he's only fulfilled half now and will come back. And we'll see that even at the end of Matthew when Christ, when Jesus ascends and the disciples are told he will come back in the same way. So that's some of the things that you need to know. The other thing you need to know is anytime we talk about the end times, you have to understand it's verses in the Bible that have been really greatly abused. There have been all sorts of people, you may remember a couple years ago when people figured out when Jesus was coming back and they sold all their stuff and they got up on top of a mountaintop. And so always take everything with a grain of salt when anyone tells you that, especially when we get to the end of this chapter, you'll see why. Anyway, the destruction of the temple and the sign of the end times. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call for his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains." You'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I'm going to pause here in the middle of this thought here because one of the things about this section here is everything that he has talked about in this section has already happened. Now, 
Does that mean he was only talking about things that have already happened? I cannot tell you. That's not the same thing. So, But there have been wars. There have been rumors of wars. There has been persecution. Remember, there wasn't yet at the time of this writing, but it happens shortly after his ascension. And there have certainly been by now many, many false prophets. There have been whole religious movements that have started because someone says, I'm Jesus, I came back some of which continue today and some of which went away many, many, many over the years. And so we could say all of this has already happened, or is it also talking about something that's going to be a sign then of the end times? Because that is what he's talking about here. So is it going to happen again? My guess is with all of those things that I mentioned so far, probably yes, it will happen again. That persecution will happen again. There will be false prophets again. There will be wars and rumors of wars again. That these are things that happen periodically. In fact, persecution is happening right now in some places. Every day in my prayers, I include a prayer for the church that is being persecuted, as well as the church in my country, for instance, that it might better reflect Jesus. So he continues, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation— spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man." Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So this is where it gets a little complicated because there's two things going on here, and it's easy to get confused which he's talking about. In fact, I don't think it's clear. So one is he started talking about the temple and the temple being destroyed, and that is going to happen in this generation. But then he also talks about Messiah coming and false messiahs and that you don't have to ask, did Jesus come back? If you have to ask, the answer is no. 
That's basically what all that means there, right? Just like when lightning happens in the east, you see it in the west, everyone will know. So it seems like he might be talking about two things at once, both the destruction of the temple and the second coming. But the one thing that is clear, and this is always one of these things, when you're looking at verses that are talking end times, especially so books like Ezekiel that's being quoted here, books like Revelation, which are using a coded kind of language and not necessarily trying to make things clear. There are some things that are clear. And the thing that's clear here is if you have to ask, Jesus hasn't come back yet. So anybody who tells you, uh, you know, I'm Jesus, I came back, and you think, I wonder if that's true. If you have to wonder, it's not true. Anybody who tells you, oh, yes, Jesus came back in such and such, if you have to ask, it's not true. That's what Jesus is saying. When he comes back, everyone will know. And for some, it will be good news when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds, and for others, they will mourn because they will realize they missed a great opportunity. And we talk about the weeping and gnashing of teeth, that incredible, incredible regret. So if you have to ask, it hasn't happened yet. And it hasn't happened yet. Now, the only thing that's a little confusing about that is that this generation, because the generation that this was written to has died. So is it the generation that saw all these things that he was talking about earlier, or is he talking about now he's gone back to talk about the temple and that will happen that generation? I can't tell you. But let's go on to the end of this chapter. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. He then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, that gnashing of teeth, that incredible, incredible regret. So Jesus is saying one thing very, very clear. The clear thing in here is Anybody who tells you, oh, yes, I have calculated all of the things in Revelation and the day that the Lord is coming back will be next Tuesday, will be October 25th. And we have heard people do this within the last two years and have people believe them. Anybody who says that is lying. That's what Jesus is saying here. We just have to remember that one. But it also is saying another thing, which is that he will come like a thief in the night, basically that you won't anticipate that day the day before. He compares it to Noah. 
Noah's neighbors were going ahead and living life and going to work and doing whatever they were doing and doing all the stuff they shouldn't have been doing right up until the door of the ark closed and the waters rose. It will be like a normal day. So he's saying, live as if it's today. Live as if it's tomorrow. And I don't mean live with a suitcase pack because you probably won't get to bring it anyway. But I mean, live as if, unlike this foolish servant, when the master comes, he'll find you doing his work. And that is the call for the church. And that is the call for us is to live ready to go. Not quite firmly attached to this place, but about the master's business. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, or Instagram as Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.